0: I'd like to express my happiness on this occasion of talking to you for a second time. The first time we discussed what we can receive from the Dhamma or from Buddhism. This time we'll discuss how to use Dhamma usefully or how to use Dhamma successfully, or how to live with the Dhamma. When we talk about the Dhamma, we mean knowledge that must be practiced, knowledge that must be practiced. When we talk about this thing that must be practiced, there are four important things that we must understand and know about. These four things are sati, mindfulness, sampacanya, wisdom in action, samati concentration, or one-pointedness of mind, and banya, wisdom. All of you, when you consider these four things, will be able to see that you have caused all four of them to arise through the practice of anapanasati, mindfulness of breathing. So now we will talk about how to use these four dhammas and we will discuss this in detail. So we'll talk about each one of these dhammas one by one so that we can understand what they mean and what they are about. Sati. Or mindfulness, awareness means to recall or to think of, to be aware of the things that we should be aware of or that we should recall. And to do this very quickly, extremely quickly, like an arrow, another way we can Um, talk about sati, is as a vehicle or a transportation mechanism of the fastest kind, the fastest transporter that there is. But the kind of transportation we're talking about here is not of physical things. We're talking about the transportation of wisdom, so sati is able to deliver wisdom extremely quickly and it is able to do this quick enough for our needs and when we've been practicing anapanasati then we have trained sati mindfulness in a very complete in a very complete way The second dhamma that we're talking about is sampa-janya. sampa is wisdom in action, wisdom being used, wisdom functioning to take care of problems. Sampa-janya is wisdom that is right where it's needed, right there at the site of the problem in order to prevent the problem from arising or to take care of it if it has arisen. So many, some of you may have come across this word before and seen it translated as clear consciousness or clear comprehension and various other things. But now we're we're calling it wisdom in action, wisdom that's being used. There are many translations of janya which tend to get us confused and we waste a lot of time worrying about which one we should use. We recommend wisdom in action, but even better than using this translation is to learn the Pali word, because the Pali word is the right word already, janya and then you don't have to worry about the translation. The word banya, wisdom, has very, very many meanings. It covers a huge area of ground. It covers so many things that we can't even estimate all the things that would be included under the word banya. But this word sampacanya is much more narrow in its meaning. And what we mean is wisdom that we need for the problem that's right in front of our face. It's the wisdom in action that is needed right here and now. And so this is a much smaller in terms, no well, not smaller, but it's a much more specific aspect of wisdom wisdom in action, right here, right now, to deal with the matter or the problem that we're facing. This is the same as the word dhamma, which has an incredible amount of meanings, depending on how it's being used. But when it comes to the point of dhamma functioning in order to solve problems, then it becomes much, we can use dhamma in a much, this word dhamma, in a much more specific and narrow meaning. And this very specific meaning, as far as of dhamma, that's related to problem solving, we can call dhamma satya or truth. We can compare this with our medicine chest in our house. The medicine chest is full of all kinds of different pills and ointments and drugs that we use. And we store them up. But when we're actually sick or hurt, we go to the medicine chest and choose one, one drug that will work to take care of our specific illness. And so we take that one drug that will cure our problem right here and now, and we use that drug. So with these things, Dhamma and Banya, understand that there's an incredible amount of these, but that when we need to use it, what we actually need to use may be just a little bit. Whatever little bit or portion Is needed to take care of the situation we're facing to help us deal with our problem. So either Dhamma or Banya that is especially relevant to the situation, to the problem, to the occasion that is used to control. The situation. This is what is called sampanjanya. Sampachanya. The third dhamma that we will talk about is samati. Samati. According to the li- the literal meaning of this word, is for the mind to be well founded, well established, to be properly founded. To be appropriately established, correctly set. The Buddha gave a very broad meaning to this word and said that it is the one pointed mind that has Nibbana or Nirvana as its object. Samati is the one-pointed mind which has Nibbāna as its object. When we talk about this mind that is one-pointed upon Nibbāna, we can talk about three characteristics that it has. The first characteristic is bodhisuttī, which means pureness, purity. The second one is samāhitā, which means to be firm, stead, steadfast, stable, extremely stable. And the third one is gamaniya, which means to be active, more than active, to be extremely skillful, to be expert, in its function, in its duty of whatever needs to be done. So if you want to know whether the mind is in a state of samadhi or not, you can examine it, check out the mind and see if it has these three characteristics, purity, firmness, stability, and active, very skillful, expert, activeness. When we talk about the power or energy of the concentrated mind, the mind takes all its energy and concentrates it on one point. It's like when we take a magnifying glass and we focus the sun's rays on one very small point so that this point can start a piece of paper on fire because the sun's rays are concentrated in one spot. This is what the concentrated mind is like. The mind that is samadhi is able to focus all the mind's power and energy on one point, which, which gives a level of energy that is very powerful, very incredible, much stronger than any other kind of power that we know. This kind of mind, this highly concentrated mind can be described in a couple different ways. One way is as intriya, <laughs> of another Pali word, which means supreme or great. And the other one is pala, which means power. So samati pala, very powerful. So we can describe this mind as supreme or superior to all other kinds of mind and more powerful than all other kinds of mind. Samati must work together with banya, wisdom, their partners. It's like a knife. A knife has needs two things it needs weight or samati and sharpness, wisdom. Or it's like, so for a knife to cut anything, if it is heavy but is not sharp, it won't cut. It will just mess up whatever we're trying to cut. Or if it is very sharp but has no weight, it can only make a small scratch but cannot cut through whatever we're trying to cut. So a knife needs both weight and sharpness. And the mind to do what we need it to do needs both samadhi and banya. So you might wonder, what is it that cuts? Is it the weight or the sharpness? When a knife cuts something, is it the weight or the sharpness that does the cutting? If you can understand this, it will make it easier for you to understand how samadhi, the concentrated one point in mind, and wisdom, banya, how these two work together to cut the mental defilements. So in that thing we call sampacanya, the second dhamma, this sampacanya has samadhi and banya, Working together within it. The fourth thing to talk about is banya, wisdom. Literally, this word means knowing or knowledge. But not just everything there is to need to know, but specifically, knowledge that we should know, knowledge that is sufficient for our needs. So of all the things we could know, banya refers to those things we need to know, those things that if, are sufficient to solve our problems. For example, we don't need to know anything about molecules and atoms or about outer space. What we do, all we need to know about is dukkha and how to take care of dukkha. So this wisdom, the things that we should know, has to do with the cessation of dukkha. It's the same as when the... This is exactly what the Buddha said. The Buddha said that other things I don't talk about. I only talk about Dukkha and the end of Dukkha. There is a very nice, very pleasant sounding saying of the Buddha in Pali, which I'd like you all to hear. Uphe which means that in the past as well as in the present, I speak only of dukkha and the cessation of dukkha. So the Buddha didn't have to mention the future because. It hadn't happened yet, but as far as the past and the present, he only talked about these two things. As far as these things we should know, banya or wisdom, we can at this time talk about four general topics or areas of wisdom that we ought to know. First topic that I'd like you to take a look at is the three characteristics of existence, or the three characteristics of all things, which are anicca, impermanence, change, flux, flow, dukkha, unsatisfactoriness, and anatta, non-self, non-soul, non-ego, the impersonality of all things. As far as these three things, anicca, dukkha, anatta, you can find all kinds of things about them in books. There are many books that cover these three characteristics. But we can summarize impermanence, anicca, in saying that it's the ceaseless change of all compounded things, all things that are formed, that are brought into existence through causes. Things which are not compounded, compounded, are not subject to the word anicca. We would not apply the word anicca to uncompounded things, only to compounded things this thing this word compounded things it'll be easier for you if you can remember the pali word which is sankhara sankhara i make it a little easier to pronounce and say sankhan sankhan mm-hmm. but in english books it will be spelled out sankhara sankhara means to form to compound to put things together. It's the condition or the activity of all things, of all, all these things, such as these trees, that have been, are taking different causes, different things, and putting them together, which gives rise to other things, newer things. And so the trees are growing and developing and forming leaves, the leaves drop, branches grow, fall off bark develops and all kinds of things. This is saṅkhāra, the action of forming, of formation of of things continually, out of old things becoming new things, on and on continuously. Saṅkhāra is the things which are conditioned into existence. So, And Sankara are also, okay, then these Sankara are conditioned into existence and then they condition other things. And so Sankara is both the things that are conditioned into existence and the things that condition other things into existence. So these Sankara, we can compare. We can speak of like the bricks in a wall. Each brick props up another brick, and this, that brick props up another one, which props up another one, on and on. So all the bricks are both being propped, supported by another brick, or a few other bricks, and are themselves propping up, supporting, other bricks. So these sankhara has this wide wide kind of meaning. Both what is conditioned and what conditions other things. And it is both the verb to condition, the act of conditioning, and it's also the things which are conditioned and which condition. So has various, it has very broad meaning. So, saṅkhāra has three meanings. First meaning is conditioning, forming the act, the activity of conditioning or forming. The second one is things that are conditioned, that are formed. And the third meaning is... The formers, the conditioners, the things that condition other things. So, this first meaning of sankhara conditioning, forming you have to see, you have to come to know that it's in everything, that without this condition of forming, of continually things forming and forming other things and conditioning other things. Without this, there would be no existence. There can only be existence through this continual, ceaseless conditioning and reconditioning. But sometimes this conditioning is very fine, very subtle, and we don't see it. Or it may be hidden, like in this rock here. There is Ceaseless conditioning going on within that rock. But when you look at it, you might not see it with your, with your eyes. But we need to come to understand this. If you look at this rock, you may have difficulty seeing the conditioning. So leave the rock alone and look inside yourself. Because within, this conditioning is going on constantly. And we can see it. We can see the conditioning. We can see the things that are conditioned into existence. And we can see the things that cause the conditioning of other things. So by looking in, we can see all these things. We can see the conditioning of what we call the body aggregate. We can see the feelings, which we talked about last night. We can see this being conditioned, the feelings. We can see the conditioning of perceptions, of the distinguishing of this and that with different names and labels. We can see the thinking that is conditioned constantly. We can also see the conditioning of consciousness, so these five, five groups these five aggregates of existence, we can see the conditioning of each of these just by looking inside. We need to see the, look at the contact points, the, the transmission points, such as the eyes, the ears, the nose, the tongue, the body, and the mind. And when these Transmission points, these contact points, are functioning. At that moment of their function, then there is conditioning going on, and we can watch this conditioning. So when the eyes are in the act of seeing something, we can watch this process and watch the conditioning as it happens. And the same with the ears and hearing, the nose and smelling and so forth. Even in just the body, there is constant change and conditioning going on ceaselessly. Even our cells are dying and being replaced constantly. And eventually all of them are replaced. So just by examining the body, we can see this conditioning going on all the time. In this body, are the six internal sense organs, the eyes, ears, nose, tongue, body, and mind. Then there are the objects of these these senses, sights, sounds, odors, tastes, physical sensations or touches, and mind objects. When the internal sense space, such as the eye, makes contact with the sense object, such as a sight, when this contact happens, there is conditioning. When these two come together, there is conditioning. And we call this specific conditioning Patsa or contact. This this conditioning right there at that meeting of eye and sight or ear and sound and so forth, this is called Patsa. And it is the beginning point of all the conditioning. So after this contact between the sense organ and the sense object, there's contact. Patsa is conditioned. This Patsa conditions feeling. And then the feeling goes and conditions perceptions, different kinds of perceptions, wrong perceptions and possibly right perceptions. These perceptions further condition thinking or conceptualization. This thinking conditions action. And the action leads to further thinking, leading to more action. And it goes on and on. This is an example of what is meant by conditioning. So. Just by looking inside this body, we can see this this conditioning, this sankhara going on and on and on. And it has the characteristic that it never stops. It never takes a rest. It never pauses. Whether we're asleep or awake, it's going on right here. And this is so we can call it perpetual flow, perpetual flux, ceaseless change, impermanence. This this is the condition that we call anicca, anicca. If you have insight into this first characteristic of anicca, impermanence, if you really see it, then it's not much more to understand the second characteristic, dukkha. When you see all these things constantly changing, never staying the way they are, there never really are anything because they don't even stop long enough to be something. They're constantly changing. If you see this, then it's not difficult to see the dukkha of all, of it, all this impermanence of all this conditioning, this dukkha means that the ugliness, the the hard-to-endureness, the it's it's just so difficult to live with all these things that won't stop changing. Because as soon as we want them to be one way, they change and are off doing being another way. Or if we have something we like. That we love, before we know it, it changes into something else. So these things are always causing us dukkha because they won't stay still, they keep changing. So whatever we want, it's never there, it's always becoming something else. This is the second characteristic dukkha. So once again, we can see this within ourselves. We can see that all the things we love are anicca and dukkha. And all the things we dislike that we don't love, these are also impermanent and unsatisfactory. So we can see that there is nothing of all these sankharas, all these conditioned things, There is nothing that is not, there is nothing that is permanent and there is nothing that is not unsatisfactory. Out of all these things, none of them are permanent and none of them are satisfying. So when you see all these things as impermanent and unsatisfying, then you will see that In them, there is nothing that we can call a self. There is no permanent, unchanging, abiding entity amongst all this change and conditioning that we can call a self, that we can call myself or I or my thing. Nowhere is there any self-permanent, any permanent self-entity like this so you'd best come come to see that these things are not self not not anything no permanent i so instead of seeing a self all you can see is perpetual flow ceaseless change and this these These three things, these three characteristics, impermanence, unsatisfactoriness, and non-soul, non-self, or anicca, dukkha, anatta. These three characteristics are what we mean by banya, wisdom. Understanding these three characteristics are the knowledge that we should know. They're the things we need to know. So this is one one of the topics of banya. The second topic under the under the word banya is sunyata, voidness or emptiness. When we come to understand the first three characteristics that made up the first topic, it's not so difficult to understand sunyata. Voidness. This means the voidness in all things, that in all these things there is nothing that we can call a self. There, There is nothing that has the meaning of being a self. All these things are free of self. So, to see this is sunyata. And sunyata is like the 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 joining the joining point, the the summarization of these three characteristics. Sunyata sort of covers the other three, these first three. So this word sunyata has a very good meaning, very useful fairly easy to get a hold of, that we can use as a principle, as a standard in our practice and in our life. So sunyata, if we understand it on the Dhamma level, voidness, on the level of awareness and wisdom, not on the physical level, then we will understand it properly. When we say voidness, we're not saying that things do not exist, that there is nothing here. That's nihilism. And that nihilism is not the meaning of sunyata. We're talking on the level of wisdom, not just on the level of physical things. Sunyata on the, dham- on the level of dhamma, means the absence the emptiness of a self that all things are free of a self of something that can be attached to as a self this this higher dhamma meaning of sunyata encompasses and gathers together the first three characteristics Anicca, dukkha and anatta and it is this kind of knowledge that we need to destroy the, de- the mental defilements which cause all our problems. When we see voidness in the things we love, well, then we don't love them. We, when we see the voidness of the things we hate, then we don't hate them. So there is no longer love and there is no longer hate. There is no longer liking, there is no longer disliking. This is the result of seeing voidness in things, to genuinely and truly see voidness in things. And then we are neither over here or over there. We're in the middle, we're balanced, we're centered in truth. So when we're no longer liking these things and disliking then we are free of even happiness and dukkha of sukha and dukkha we're free of these and we're in the middle this is the meaning of emptiness of voidness and the result of seeing it and when when we know if we do not fully see emptiness then we will still love some things and we will still hate other things. If you're loving things, you're gonna hate some other things. If you're hating things, you're gonna love some things. They come together. But if there is complete understanding of sunyata, there is neither loving or hating. When there is still loving and hating, there is still attachment to things, the mind, is a slave to these things. It's under the power of these things that we love and hate. But when there is complete understanding of sunyata, when there is no longer loving or hating, then the mind is free. The mind is no longer a slave to these changing things. This is freedom, the, the result of understanding voidness and voidness mm-hmm. is a synonym of nibbana mm-hmm. so if you've been wondering what nibbana is it's sunyata emptiness voidness of self and so when we're empty when the mind is empty There are no mental defilements. When there are no mental defilements, there is no heat. When there is no heat, then we're cool. Nibbana means cool. So, when there is emptiness, then there is Nibbana. The Buddha said, you ought to view the world as empty of Atta and Ataniya, Atta, self, ego, Ataniya, of the self, belongings of the self. So we all ought to see this world, see the world, as free of self and things of the self. This is the second topic of banya. The third matter or topic of dhamma that needs to be understood is itapajayata. Itapajayata is this being, this comes into being, this arises, that arises, this arises, that arises, this arises, that arises, or this coming into being then there's this coming into being, and this, and this, and this, and this, on and on and on. It's the same matter, the same th- the same thing to understand as vaticca samuppat, samuppat, or dependent origination, which you heard a little bit about the first night. Dependent origination or causal um, origination, it has a few different translations. They're the same thing. And you need to understand this to have a. to be racking up your banya points. If you, if you realize itapa jayata, then you will see that everything in the world is flowing. It's always flowing, constantly. It's just a flow, on and on and on and on. To see this is to see Itapa Jayata, this third topic of wisdom. There are, this Itapa Jayata has all kinds of different details, and it's a very long and complex thing. Especially when it's described in the way of Bhaticca Samuppat. And we don't have the time for that now, so. You may have to go to a book and do some reading to begin to get an idea what this is about. The fourth topic of wisdom is tatata, tatata, suchness or thusness. It means that everything is just that, it's just what it is, or it's to see everything as just like that, nothing more, nothing less, nothing different than just that. It's only that. This tatata, suchness, to understand that everything is just such, to understand this is, includes the first three characteristics impermanence unsatisfactoriness and non-soul. It includes emptiness and it includes Itapajayada, the law of cause and effect. This arising, that arises. This, that, this, that. So to see, to realize, tatata is to realize what everything is like, the suchness of all things. This suchness includes these first three topics of wisdom. To to realize, to intuitively realize ta-ta-ta, to see the truth of all things, to see the reality of all these things which are deceiving us, which are deluding us. These things that are deluding us are all the things which give rise to meaning in us the meaning of opposites of oppositions of the of duality so all these things which we are seeing in terms of duality these are all deluding us because we don't see the truth of them we don't see the that the suchness of these things therefore they delude delude us, and give rise to dual meanings, dualities, pairs of opposites, this and that, liking and disliking, hot and cold, big and little, male and female, good and bad, enlightened and unenlightened. These, without, when we don't see da ta da, da, we're always trapped in these oppositions in these dualities and then we can't see the truth of these things and when we don't see the, their truth then this allows the mental this causes the mental defilements to arise and then our we're we're in our problems again so when we look we'll see that good is a saṅkhāra. It is a conditioned thing. We'll see that evil is also saṅkhāra. It is conditioned. We'll see that pleasant feelings and unpleasant feelings, sukha and dukkha, are also saṅkhāra. Hot and cold, left and right, all of these are saṅkhāra, male and female we'll see that all, there isn't anything that is not a Sankhara. And when we truly realize that they're all just Sankhara, we'll see that they're all the same thing, that they are all tatata ta All things are just suchness, thusness. They're just what they are. We can continue on and say that heaven is a sankhara and hell is also a sankhara. Heaven and hell are nothing but tatata, just that. So we ought to see that heaven, hell, good, bad, happiness, unhappiness, merit, demerit, sin, virtue, all of these are just da-ta-ta, da, 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 da. we ta ta And we should raise ourselves above these things, above all this. So don't let all these dual things, all these dualistic pairs come and possess and cover and oppress the mind. Don't allow these dualistic things to give rise to liking and disliking. Don't allow them to give rise to the mental defilements. All of this, these four tops, topics, is what is known as Banya wisdom. This is the kind of knowledge we need. It is the knowledge that we must have have, to a sufficient degree. This is what is meant by banya, wisdom. We need to study both on the physical, material level and on the mental level or the spiritual level until there is enough wisdom, enough knowledge about things. Now we know about these four things, these four dhammas we began talking about. Sati, mindfulness, sampajanya, wisdom in action, samati, one-pointedness of the one-pointed mind, and banya. We know about these four things. Next, we need to know how to use them. We need to be able to use them. So now we come to the question of how are we going to use these things? How are we going to bring these into our lives, our everyday lives, so, so that these dhammas are an ordinary, constant part of our reality? How, how are we going to do that? The short answer is that we must live a life that has these four things. We must live with these four things. We should we should use these four Dhammas by having them meet up with, having them encounter all the problems and situations which arise in our daily lives. So the way to use these is whenever there is a situation in our life that causes a problem, such as when the eye sees something, when, this, when the eye sees a sight, an object, then mindfulness, sati, goes to wisdom and brings some wisdom to the situation brings the necessary, the needed wisdom to the situation so that the wisdom can function, so it can do its job and solve the problem as sampa So when mindfulness brings, when mindfulness transports or delivers wisdom to the the right place in the right time, then Sampajanya wisdom in action, deals with that situation. It prevents the problem or it solves a problem that has already arisen. This is sampajanya being used. In that moment of sampajanya functioning, then there is also samadhi. The one pointed mind is able to summon its energy, to focus its energy on this problem, on this situation, and give strength, give weight to the sharpness of the wisdom. And so that with this weight and energy and power of samati, of the concentrated mind, then the sampajjanya can cut the defilements. It can get it can solve this problem. As much, wi- as much to the degree that there is samadhi, to that degree, wisdom or Sampajanya will be able to solve the problem. The more concentration, the more mental power, the better, the more complete will sampajjanya solve the problem. In that moment, we'll see that we are the most clever, the most brilliant person there is because we are able to solve the problem that we have encountered right then and right there. And then we don't become enslaved to the meanings of dualistic things, all the various pairs of opposites that are deceiving us. We don't become their slaves. This is the free life. It's calm, peaceful. It's cool. It's the highest thing there is. It's the best thing that humans can achieve. To summarize, we must have enough wisdom. Mindfulness, sati, must be able to, to bring that wisdom in time quick enough. Sampachanya wisdom in action must be sufficient and it must be must be sufficient and correct and samadhi the one pointed mind, one pointedness of mind must also be sufficient and correct then they are able to deal with every situation that may arise. This is the answer to the original question, how are we going to use the Dhamma? I hope that each of you are able to use this so as to justify the time, the effort, and the expense that you have put forth and able to come here. So I, I hope that you do not come out of here in debt, but you make a profit by using this. So this, this talk has run out of time. I would like to now close the meeting.